King. King will barge over. Will he get it down? Yes, he does. There's the premiership. Wilson runs to the line. He's got Buxton with him. It's been put on the toe. It's going to be to try. Joy Jobson's got the try. Window get their second. You're listening to Lee Carson, Newcastle Hunters Home Rugby League. Welcome back to League Castle, episode 32 for season 2023. And of course, as always, it is brought to you by Sharp DS Central Coast, our major partners in 2023, Chris McPherson, bringing you all your local rugby league action. And we are really getting down to brass tacks at the end of the season. Newcastle Rugby League Grand Final is behind us. Group 21 Rugby League Grand Final is behind us. Premiers have been crowned. And it's just the Newcastle and Hunter Community Rugby League Grand Finals in front of us, as well as an unlikely run, as it may have seemed a few weeks ago, from the Knights, who have now clinched a home final this Sunday. It's going to be a huge weekend in local rugby league. The NRLW at home on Saturday. The Newcastle and Hunter Grand Finals at Lakeside Oval at Raymond Terrace on Saturday as well. So there's plenty to happen this weekend still, and uh, plenty of footy to get your fix. And we're going to pull it all apart here on Lee Castle today. A big thanks, of course, to you all for tuning in and being a part of this every week throughout the season and throughout our five seasons so far. And if just listening to the podcast isn't enough for you in terms of local footy information, make sure to stay tuned to our social media channels, Lee Castle AU on Instagram, Lee Castle AUS on Facebook as well. And we'd love it if you could just take five minutes to rate and review our podcast on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. It helps us to spread the word and grow what we do. Uh, we touched on Sharp DS Central Coast off the top. We're also proudly brought to you each and every week through Lake Macquarie Forklift Services and Shipley Meets at Rutherford, who've both been really good partners again this year, and we appreciate their support to help us continue to bring this content to you. A big episode ahead. As I said, we're going to pull apart the Newcastle and Hunter Rugby League Grand Finals that are this weekend. We'll have a little bit of a recap first off the top with the stats man, Josh Spiegelman, to talk all things Denton Engineering Cup Finals and uh, recap the pickers. Comprehensive win over South Newcastle. Then we'll have a couple of guests on to dig into the A-grade Grand Final. First of all, in Tim Christie from South Newcastle and Scott Webby Fitzpatrick from... The Dora Creek Swampies, the two combatants in this weekend's grand final. And then we're going to get our gurus on that we had at the start of the year. Sean Rabs-Johnson, who's going to pull apart some of the top grades. And Adam Martin, who's going to come and pull apart some of the lower grades as well. A little bit of a a preview, a few minutes on each of the grand finals. Just to break it all down and uh, add in a few other bits there for those that uh, I guess want a bit of an eye over grand finals you might not be all familiar with. So... Sit back, enjoy, listen in, and uh, here comes episode 32 for season five. As we've done almost every week of the season, let's kick the episode off with the guru of all things statistics from the Newcastle Rugby League. He is none other than Josh Spiegelman, a.k.a. the Stats Man. Thanks to Lake Macquarie Forklift Services. Josh... Mate, you must be relieved. Time for a breather. Time for a breather, Chris. But um, lots to get through still in this, in this, I guess, last episode. It was a, a great game on the weekend, especially if you're a picker supporter. And we'll start the show with a congratulations to Maitland there. Second premiership in a row, back-to-back. The first time they've done that since 2010-2011 and sets the platform 
for a potential treble next year. And the last time they did that was in 1956 to 58. So some will argue that they should have got the tre- the treble with that cancel comp due to COVID. And that, I guess, remains to be seen. But in the official record books, that's how it stands. And take nothing away from them. Made a very professional outfit, well coached, well run, and well deserving. Certainly is, mate. Um, and some would argue, and I have heard this case that you know they deserve some credit purely on the fact of the the, the point that there has they haven't lost a competition they've been involved in going back four years now. Yeah, that's incredible, mate. And um, they don't look like stopping anytime soon, do they? This uh, forty-six points they put on in the grand finals, the the second most ever recorded in Newcastle Rugby League grand final history, just behind the fifty-one by West in ninety-eight. So. Uh, and that game, South actually got beaten as well. So commiserations to South. Fantastic season from them, mate. Some really big highlights. That 10-game win streak, I think it was, will live long in the memory. But, um, yeah, just weren't there on the day. And, and Maitland, yeah, far too strong. And another target on their back next year, mate. We'll see who can um, who can match them. Yeah, that's certainly it. Um, you'd expect, uh, looking at their squad, that quite a few will go back around again next year. So it's going to be interesting to watch what happens. But it will be uh, a frantic next sort of five months or so with new coaches coming into a few of the clubs as well. But as you say, a big credit to Maitland. Not only back-to-back wins, but back-to-back wins by that 36-point margin, which is absolutely phenomenal uh, displays in the last two years. They've really just timed their run perfectly and peaked at the grand final. Speaking of peaking at the grand final, mate, there's a number of players who put up some big numbers in the grand final, and that's what we're here to talk about. Oh, there certainly were, mate. A fair amount we got to get through in this game. And... um. Uh, I'll just shout out that 36-point margin you mentioned there. Um, Joe Woodbury, the, the Scorps winger, messaged the page on my account, I can't remember, um, the other day and actually alerted me that so he can be the assistant stat man next year. But Joe mentioned that the last three games at uh, Marathon Stadium for, for the grand finals have all been 36-point margins, can you believe? So not counting the Cessnock South one in 2020 that wasn't there, but West Newcastle beat Cessnock 36 nil in 2019. So... Bit of a bit of a random one. It is a bit of a random one. I actually knew that stat purely because after first grade, the referee Joey Butler, who's refereed all three of those games, but didn't do the Cessnock South game, was talking about the fact that the three first grade grand finals he's done have been uh, thirty six points. So if Joey Butler's appointed to the first grade grand final next year, maybe get on each side thirteen plus. <laughs> yeah, seems to be the way, mate. It's um, it's definitely freaky, but. Yeah, mate. We'll uh, we'll go through this game briefly, and um, as you can imagine, with the scoreline, it was it was pretty all Maitland in this game, and they got things underway in the seventh minute. Uh, storming Lincoln Smith run down the right side off a of Brock Lamb um, pass there, registering his first try assist of the day. Um, South had a, had, a, had a fair good crack at the Maitland line after that that first try, but yeah, Maitland set a really good defensive tone in that I guess um, ten minute period afterwards and stood their ground and. I think the thing that hampered South in this game a lot, they gave away a ton of set restarts, which don't reflect on the penalty count, but they also gave away some penalties as well. And that that really gave Maitland the foot up early. And you talk about the week off that Maitland enjoyed as well. The commentary was saying sometimes that can work against you, sometimes not. But I think you could see in South's legs, mate, they just didn't have the same leg speed and, and, and they were far more fatigued than Maitland. So that was a, a talking point for the game as well. Lincoln Smith scored his second try in the 26th minute. He likes the grand final double, mate. He's a big game player. He doesn't often flash up on the fancy stats during the year. He puts the hard yards in. But in the big games, he likes to get on the graphics. So he's done well there with another double. Um, and it just continued from there, mate. Maitland finished off the half with a number of quick tries off the back of a, a man disadvantage for South with a sin bin and just further set restarts. So it was 38-0 at half time, And the commentators did all they could to keep it interesting. But 
yeah, it was, it was all she wrote basically at that stage with the way the game was going. Went to 42 nil made in the second half after 48 minutes. There was a score from Dan Langbridge there. And, um, you know, South came back in the back end of the game when Maitland put the foot off the pedal for a bit there, scored a few tries to make it a bit more respectable for that 36-point margin, as we mentioned. But Brock Lamb did steal the victory, mate. A great try assist kick to um to Knight there out on the on the right side, and that was Lamb's third try assist of the day. So we'll jump in at the uh, the well, I guess the points. We don't have any points anymore, but the, the honourables, everyone's an honourable. We'll start with that man, Brock Lamb, got man of the match from Newcastle Rugby League, and you can see why with just the stats alone, he scored a try, had three try assists, two try contributions. So that's a key hand and five tries, two line break assists, two line break contributions. A line break, three tackle busts, an offload, and a force dropout. He's done it all, mate. And we know Brock Lamb's um, definitely a big game player in this competition. He certainly is, mate. He dominated uh, on the weekend, and we touched about it off the air. Even a um, an, a t- tackle that was deemed to be illegal, and saw the uh, saw one of South's players go to the bin, couldn't stop him from scoring. And that's how good a touch he was in, mate. Yeah, exactly. He brushed off a couple of defenders there on his way to score that try, and. Um, you know, he should be a shoe in for the Newcastle Rugby League team of the year. We don't know, mate. There's always a couple of doozies in there. But, um, yeah, stay tuned on that note for the League Castle team of the year that will drop later in the week at one and two. We'll space it out per positions on the stories like we did last year, which should be fun for everyone. Um, we'll move along, though, to more honourables in this game, mate. I thought both Langbridge brothers were great. We'll start with Alex. The hooker there, of course, had a try assist, a line break assist, a line break of his own. I think he only ran the ball once. Of registered meters in this game, you know, minus all the line engagement. So that that line break, I think it was a twenty something meter run. Twenty nine tackles on defense at eighty eight percent was great. Then his brother Dan was spectacular with a double, two tries. That is one try assist, a try contribution. So he's had his hand in four tries there, scoring two and helping setting up two. Two line break assists, a line break, two tackle busts, and a forced dropout. It, again, is tremendous. Uh, we'll finish with the backs with um, Gary Anderson out in the centres there. He scored a try with 115 metres, a line break, two tackle busts and a great try assist. So great for Gary there on the, in the centres. We'll move into more of the engine room. Two forwards I want to call out, one of which is Lincoln Smith that we touched on before with a double, 9.3 metres of carry, two line breaks, five tackle busts, 23 tackles at 96%. And then you've got Sam Anderson, who led the game here in metres with 153 metres from 19 carries, 25 tackles at 96%. He is a veteran and he stands up when it matters most and he really helps set that platform, as did Taylor and Butterfield. That that trio, mate, continues to cause problems for other teams in this competition. They certainly do, mate. Uh, that work through the middle is absolutely phenomenal by them and it's such a platform for that side. Oh, massively, mate. Yeah, those um, those forwards, I think they're all back next year. So, you know, and then they've got younger forwards coming through and then Reid Olchin pops in the middle a bit. It's a scary proposition for, for other forward packs to have to handle that. Um, but, yeah, congratulations to Maitland once again. Um, phenomenal effort all season. I don't think they put a, an 80-minute performance together all, all year, as Matt Lantry would have said in most interviews. But in the grand final, they certainly put the first 40 together and then put the next you know, 30-odd together as well. So you can call it a full-game performance, I think, with that scoreline. And they'll be ecstatic, mate. And as far as we know, as we record on a Monday afternoon, the party's still going. Yeah, I've, I've had a, a fairly recent update. Uh, it looks like there's a little bit of head noise going on, but the boys are still well and truly into it. And I wouldn't expect it to be uh, winding up just too too soon, but I'm sure there'll be some uh, some numbers thinning as the next couple of days go on. I'm, but I, I think there'll be a couple of young guys that might try and carry on well into the week. 
Although they do have something something still to prepare for, mate, and that is where they can go for a three-peat because the last two President's Cups have gone the way of Maitland uh, in 2020 and 2022, um, and they will head into that where they'll take on um, a selection, I think, St Mary's, Thoreau, and a yet-to-be-decided team from the Peter McDonald Cup, which will be played out this weekend, which is Mudgy taking on Dubbo CYMS out at Dubbo. So that'll be the final uh, team decided. And then the week after, I think that'll all kick off. So uh, a couple of weeks of semifinals and finals for them to, to defend another trophy and then maybe some more parties for the boys. You'd hate to be their bosses. <laughs> yeah, mate, they wouldn't be going to their, their regular nine to fives too much, um, celebrating all these wins over the last few years, but they're well-placed to take out that President's Cup. It was close last year uh, and, and, the, and that earlier year you touched on as well, but They've got the goods. They've got the players. If anyone, everyone plays that did recently, I think they'll um, they'll take that out again. But yeah, good luck to them. Uh, I'll be definitely attending that final. I think they usually play it in Sydney at, at um, Parramatta Stadium. So that'll uh, be good, mate. Certainly will. Well, uh, I believe they get a home semi-final too in the first week uh, after playing away last year. So that's really exciting for the pickers and hopefully uh, Maitland Sports Ground will fill out for some. Uh, uh, finals rugby league. It'll probably be the last game of uh, rugby league we'll see in uh, in the region before we head into the summer sports with the Knights being at home this weekend, but not having another home final coming. So um, just another excuse to to keep the winter winter sports going for that little bit longer, mate. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. And you touched on the Knights there. Obviously, they're playing your beloved Raiders, and we'll both be there for that to do or die match at Marathon, and um, should be a huge crowd on the Sunday. And uh, yeah, good luck to to your team. I think we're short price favourites for that. Hasn't stopped us before from losing, so we'll see how we go. No, it certainly hasn't, uh, mate. Uh, and, uh, you know, we know the games aren't played on paper, but it'll be a big job from Canberra if they had to come up here and uh, get the upset and uh, and knock you guys off. Because as we know, absolutely red hot form. Uh, we've got quite a few out, so happy to uh, embrace the underdogs tag, mate. Uh, not a lot of expectation as I had uh, when I went and watched them play on Sunday after uh, the grand finals here on Saturday as well. So we'll wait and see what comes of it, mate. But yeah, all the best to the pickers uh, as they head into their President's Cup. The other other mentions, we obviously need to give a quick shout-out to, mate, to uh, Lakes, who won the under-19s in a thriller in a very unusual score on 14-11. You don't see that every day, although certainly not in the modern game. Back back in the year, you might have. And then on to, of course, West as well. They upset the minor premiers, Maitland, uh, in their clash, 14-6. Uh, to six. They held out two uh, really good defensive displays in the early games, uh, which got the uh, crowds to their feet, uh, before we got onto the attacking masterclass that was the Pickers. Yeah, that's great, mate. And um, you obviously you commentated that match, the first one, and then you were on the touchline for the second. So if you wanted to give any thoughts, you can as well. I'm just looking at the history of the, the premierships. There was a 13-12 grand final in 59 and a couple of other 11.1s before that, obviously back in the days when the tries were worth three. So, yeah, um, yeah mate. I was going to say, there were some interesting scores. We are having a look through those, trying to work out what the record was with the, for points margin, with it being that 37. I think it was 51-14. You touched on West before. But, uh, yeah, certainly, look, well done. There's a number of young kids who played in that 19s grand final that played in the previous years as well, which West took out in the reverse result. Um, you know, it was a heartbreaking finish for West. They thought they'd won it. They led 11-10, and then Lakes, a perfectly weighted short kickoff. And then just went down and scored on the last tackle. It was phenomenal to see their captain, Jed Rouse, just forced his way over with sheer just will. It was yeah, amazing. Um, as someone who's played previously at Lakes, it was kind of a, a nice one to see. It was good to see, though, that West then got the next one that I was involved in on the touchline. And, look, they just out-wrestled, out-wrangled and out, outperformed Maitland. And I think Maitland will be you know happy enough to admit that. And, uh, 
yeah, as I say, it was three of the four clubs involved that took away a premiership, which was the, the maximum result you could get out of the day. So um, it was pretty good all round outside of for Souths and just, yeah, really phenomenal. But again, you know, so much now in terms of storylines heading into next year, especially in that first grade competition, as you said, Maitland have that chance uh, to follow on from going back nearly 70 years to their first three-peat. And there's only, it's only ever happened, I think, if my maths is correct, five other times. West have done it three times in the 80s, the 90s, and then the 2010s. Lakes did it in the 80s as well. And then Curry did it, obviously, in the mid-90s. So um, the target very much on Maitland's back if they're to go for a three-peat in the uh, Denton Engineering Cup and you know become the, first, or the second team to do that more than once, which would be a huge record. And to, you know they've got 12 titles to their name. Still some way to go to close in on West, but they're right up there now. And uh, this is a really dominant era for the pickers as they continue to go from strength to strength. Yeah, it definitely is, mate. And um, obviously the triple minor premiership for them as well when you count 2021. So um, they're looking good. And then we touched on, you just touched on Lakes as well. So they've got that obviously great crop of players coming through. They, they're building that club nicely there with the juniors. And obviously they, they were last in the grand final in 2018 and previous to that won it in 2015. So I'm sure they'll be back in the big dance sooner rather than later. Yeah, there's certainly going to be lots of stories, as I say. I think every, every club's got its own little story. Obviously, Wong and the entrance making their way into the finals. They'll be looking to go one better south and Cessnock. They'll have some revenge on their mind, and I'm sure they'll have some stability around their squads, a couple of retirements each, but still plenty to go on. Um, and then you look down the ladder, Curry, obviously, with a, with a new coach and a man who's made a real habit of winning central with a new coach as well, and another man that's done very well in the Newcastle Rugby League in Adam Bettridge. Uh, the Scorps will undoubtedly be uh, planning to, you know, bounce back after a, a disappointing season this year after being grand finalists last year. And, uh, yeah, West, well, we know they've been into the lower-grade grand final, so they'll, they'll continue to develop as well. So uh, plenty happening there. And then the Northern Hawks, well, they've had a pretty successful season for the first season of the competition, but they'll be looking to improve and push up towards the top five. So there's, there's probably a reason to be optimistic, mate, no matter who you follow for next year. I think there's plenty of uh, silver linings and reasons for your team to be pushing towards a, a finals berth, if not further, in 2024, no matter who you follow. Oh, definitely, mate. And, you know, aside from Maitland, who's probably locked in for at least the playoffs with the roster they've got and the success they've had, it's really so a dart, mate. There could be so many, you know, people improving with what you've just said and, and unknown. So it makes next year already very exciting. It's going to be a, a nice, couple, nice couple of months in the off-season just to relax a bit. I'll get my weekends back, but I know I'll be missing it sooner rather than later. And, and it'll be great to get back next season and, and do at least a few teams whoever takes me back. Yeah, certainly uh, looking forward to it and uh, can't wait. Uh, I'm sure, as you say, in another two or three weeks, you and I will be getting itchy already. But enjoy the break, mate. Uh, look forward to uh, catching up with you, hopefully, at the game on the weekend. And then the Newcastle Rugby League presentation, which will be coming up later in September as well. So there's still a few things to go. Um, I won't, unfortunately, be around for the Pickers semi-final, which is really disappointing. I would love to have been there. But, yeah, there's, there's still a few more uh, milestones on the uh, local rugby league calendar. And the other one I want to mention too, mate, uh, is the uh, the Brody Pearson Memorial Nines that a few of the clubs I know are entering sides in and plenty of other teams are entering in, which is in honour of Brody who passed away earlier this year in Glass Empire. That'll be held the weekend after the October long weekend. So just, again, if you wanted to extend that footy season just that little bit more, we, we're getting into October and then before you know it, teams will be starting to you know do pre-season straight after that. So realistically, there's no, no sleep or rest for the wicked, mate. Yeah, that's right, mate. It keeps pushing on and, you know, I've got some other sports to look forward to as well. So we never stop, do we? But we love it. We certainly do, mate. But a big thanks to you again for all of your hard work this year and we look forward to coming back for Season 6 of League Castle with you as, again, one of our headline and main draw cards, mate. So thank you again as always. Thanks, Chris. You too, mate. Thanks for all your work on the podcast this year and on the field as well. 
And uh, you want to touch on that announcement you post on your personal page before we leave? Oh, mate, I'm happy to. I wasn't wasn't necessarily going to, but yeah, I have uh, decided to hang up the, the whistle slash flag after around 800 games in senior footy. It's been awesome. I've made some very good relationships. A lot of the ones that I've leveraged, thanks to, you know, those to get people on the show, etc. So uh, big thanks to everyone that's been involved and it's been some sort of journey from, you know, a young 14-year-old kid uh, up in Kempsey starting refereeing through to stints here and in Dar- here in Newcastle and then in Darwin as well. And, yeah, again, it's one of those things that, you know, I've built some lifelong relationships that undoubtedly will, will form um, further and continue to be part of what, what I do with my next steps with all of the media stuff. So it's been awesome. I've loved pretty much every minute of it. And um, yeah, on to on to helping the next generation of referees come through, and also working on the on more of this media stuff and bringing some more to people. So yeah, and again, a big thanks to everyone with their well wishes. Uh, been really overwhelmed already by those that have jumped on there and um, and commented on my personal stuff. So yeah, thank you. How good's that, mate? Yeah, well done from all of us, um, all the fans. I'm sure everyone appreciates all your hard work, mate. And um, yeah, we'll sign off on that note. Maybe we'll jump on for another one for around the t- team of the year or whatnot. But if not, we'll catch you guys next year. All right, well, a big thanks to the Statsman for pulling apart the Newcastle Rugby League Grand Final. It's now time to turn the focus to the Newcastle and Hunter Community Rugby League Grand Finals. We will be doing a preview and uh, look ahead to all of the grades uh, with a couple of our experts coming on later in the show. But we thought with the pinnacle event being the A grade, we would get a guest on from each side. And we'll start with the side that was first through the minor premiers. Just one loss to their name, the Dora Creek Swampies. And we're joined by their uh, well-travelled now captain in Scott Fitzpatrick. Uh, Webby, good to see you've made it back in time for the finals. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks for having me once again. No, always, always good to get you on, mate. Um, I had to keep it to 10 minutes tonight, so we couldn't have Hobes on. It might have gone a bit longer, so I thought we'd go with yourself. You're a bit more uh, concise. Mate, before we get into the grand final, uh, I did want to touch on just quickly. Uh, recently, uh, been over in Ireland, mate, uh, winning yourself some silverware. Yeah, mate, unreal experience. Something I'll... Um yeah, I'll cherish forever. We um, we took out the gold medal over there for the Oztag World Cup, which is, well, I suppose we were heavy favourites, mate. But um, we got the job done, and it was yeah, yeah, it was just a, an unbelievable experience, mate. They take their Oztag very, very serious over in Ireland. I tell you. Yeah, right. There you go. Um, I know a few boys that travelled over with different sides, and um, again, the small world of rugby league, mate. I actually knew one of your teammates as we discovered. Uh, how was Mr. Cini over there? Was he well behaved? Yeah, he was, mate. He was actually he's actually quite quiet. He's he's, he's a bit different. He um he's more of a social media man. I think he, he posts a lot on social media, but he's very quiet in person. He is, mate. He's he's he's. Uh, I think he's settled down a bit too uh, in recent times. But Trent, uh, just for those who are listening in, and a few of the boys through the referees will know Trent quite well. Uh, a fairly highly touted referee at one point, sort of went back to playing and doing some other things, but a very talented athlete in a number of fields, as is demonstrated by the fact that he's in your side, mate. So um, congratulations to all of you that were involved. Uh, I'm sure there was a few rugby league connections in it, but, uh, mate, world champions, that's uh, certainly something to uh, hang your hat on and uh, stick on the uh, on the resume for as you uh, proceed towards the back end of your career. It's already at the back end, mate. But, yeah, one more to go this year and we'll see how we go. See how you go. I like the sound of that, mate. But, as you say, one more to go. The big focus is Saturday, 3.30 at Lakeside Oval. Undoubtedly going to be a big crowd. It is the uh, the last of all the games there at Lakeside on the main field. They will be televised on Bar TV Sports. Not sure yet. We're waiting for confirmation on whether there'll be a delay, but you will be able to stream them. But, mate, as I'm sure you can attest to having been involved in a few of these days, there is nothing better than being at the ground. Nah, it gets a good atmosphere too, that joint. You can get right up close to the Oval and uh, uh, Waratah crowd tend to yell plenty of abuse our way. So looking forward to that one too. 
Mate, um, I'm sure it's no surprise to you and uh, it's something that you guys have leaned into it a number of times. Lots of clubs have got some irks with Dora Creek, so you probably won't be the uh, flavour of the month up there. There'll be a few other sides I would suggest that we'll get on the Waratah bandwagon. It's something undoubtedly you guys are expecting. Mate, it's it's something that over the past five years I've become a, I've become accustomed to and, and all the players are accustomed to it now. It's, mate, to be quite honest with you, and this is the dead honest truth, it, it pushes us even more. We get to our training sessions when we're getting flogged and we turn around and the one thing that gets in the back of our mind is the stuff that gets the old at us and the abuse we cop and, and the looks that we get when we get to hold the silverware at the end of the day. Yeah, undoubtedly, mate. It's, it's one of those things. I know you're a very tight-knit group and, look, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing irrespective of what people's perspective might be of the club and I know, you know, and I, I would can vouch for a number of teams and especially a number of the Waratah boys and South, South are similar. You know, Sambo and I were chatting last week. Mate, there's, there's a lot of really good individual relationships. So irrespective of what people's uh, thoughts are on the club, I would encourage that anything that's said out there, and I would encourage this more broadly, that it is club-related and not individual-related because that's, uh, there's sometimes a line there that needs to be adhered to. Yeah, yeah I, I agree completely, mate. Just just the other week, actually, there, there was some conversations I held with the ground muscle at halftime of, of the game with Waratah. Like, we, we've, all, we've all got families out there sitting on the sidelines watching the game. Um, I know it goes both ways. I mean, yep. if, if I hear our crowd do it, I, I chip them all the time. Whenever I hear anything that, that shouldn't be said, said, it's, it's just not what it's about. We're all there because we love the game, and, and I get that everyone's passionate, but, but just keep it to the game. N- nothing, out of, nothing out of what's, what happens on that paddock. That, that's all there is to it, mate. 100%, mate. 100%. There's no room for that in the game. And, mate, I, I will actually take my hat off to uh, one of your nearest rivals in terms of geography. I did a touchline at Morissette earlier this year, and one of the wingers who's also, I believe, the vice president out there at Morissette actually walked off at, as I was coming back for one of the kicks at goal and spoke to a, uh, I think, what was their sort of, I'll call it their members enclave, their old boys area, and chipped them and told them to pull their heads in, which they dutifully did. And I was like, that is phenomenal. Um, and again, you know, it's one of those things, if you walk past it and see it, then, you know, sometimes if it is your club, you need to not just lean into it, as you say, and, and no club should be doing it because everyone should be out there enjoying their footy. But let's turn back to the footy that said, mate. This is going to be a cracker. You guys have played three times this year. They are one of very few sides in recent years who have gotten the wood over Dora Creek in any game, and I'm sure that's something that you guys are very aware of. Mate, that that Friday night earlier in the year, um, we turn up to that ground, and and those guys, they're young, they're enthusiastic, and, and they just rip right India, and, and that's what they did to us that night, and, and this will be exactly what they do. Um, this weekend, they, they did it in the semi-final. They, they, come out, they just come out all guns blazing. And they, they bounced out to a 10 nil lead and, and they were into us. They, they were ripping us. They were, they were really Bowie Dwyer, the second rower there, with laughing his head off and, and getting stuck into the niggle. And then it was just, uh, there was just some comments fr- from us as that this, you know, you're 10 minutes into an 80 minute game here, fellas. So, and, um, yeah, we, we sort of hit our straps, mate, and, and, and put it to them and, and they couldn't keep up with us at the time. But it'll be a completely different kettle of fish this weekend, no doubt. Yeah, I'd say they'll be a little the wiser, mate. And uh, something I touched on um, with Tim, who will, his, his piece of the show will come after yours, mate, with you being the minor premiers. Um, mate, two very experienced coaches in terms of Penn Byron and Dave Hoban who've been around the footy. They will know how to pull the triggers, press the buttons to get their sides to uh, more than likely deliver 110% of their absolute best on Saturday. So it's going to be on for young and old between both sides and worth, worth that price of admission, as we touched on. It's going to be an absolute cracker, and you guys know you'll have to be up for it. Yeah, mate, I, I agree completely. Um, they've, they've, they're a really well-drilled, well-coached side. You can see it um, with, with the way they play, their attitude towards the game. 
um, that they they all work together. They're, they're a similar version of us f- five years ago. If, if you roll back five years ago to when Hopes first got me to the club and there was a few other people that joined the club, if those guys can hold themselves together as a group for the next couple of years, they're going to be the exact force that we are and they're going to be in the situation that we're in with everybody else, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, 100%. Mate. It's, it's an interesting conversation I've had recently with a few people around the, uh, we'll call it the tall poppy syndrome, and I almost I basically said to someone, if it was the case this year that Dora Creek wasn't in the competition, competition, the view would be about some of the Waratah pieces on the side they've built already, similar, exactly as you say, what it was when you guys started to build what you've built and tried to build that community, the legacy, and grow the footprint down there. Yeah, yeah, mate. I, I, I think I spoke to you earlier in the year about it. It's, it's re- Look, I enjoy seeing the fact that Waratah are back in A grade and, and, you know, the work that Jackson Myers and Timmy Christie and, and the likes of have put in to get that side um, to, to be as competitive as what it is, is is a credit to them. And, and they've made the grand final and, and they've got an opportunity to win the grand final. What, what better way to start a season? You know, they've, they've just kicked it off. And like I said, they'll be a dynasty over the next few years, I guarantee it. Yeah, it will be one to watch, but I'm sure you're make, you're, you've got every effort involved, as do another 18 of your men, to make sure that dynasty doesn't start on Saturday, mate. What is going to be the key in terms of this one? Is it just going to be keeping in that arm wrestle for 80 minutes and backing your experience? Oh, mate, we've been there. Um, I think I said pretty much exactly the same thing to you this time last year. We've been there, we've done it, we're, we're, we stay relaxed. There's no pressure on us. If if they were to knock us over, we, what have we lost? We, we, we've done enough the past few years to, to, to have a couple of them. And if, if they do happen to crack us, well, good on them. But they're going to they're gonna find it very, very tough to do on Saturday. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, well, we, we touched on it um, and, and certainly looking back through the records, mate, the, the, the era of dominance that you've had, you know, minor premiers in 2017, obviously straight sets, not, not the ideal outcome there. 2019 major premiers with a comprehensive win over Belmont. 2020, a tight loss to Thornton Beresfield. 2021 minor premiers with a uh, a season that was canned early, and then winning the grand final last year. It's a uh, it's a fair record, as you say, and then into another grand final. So that's essentially four grand finals in four seasons uh, that you've been involved in, and uh, already two of those three that you've won. And you know, again, if it was two and two, it's a pretty good legacy. If it's three out of four, then that's a that's a hugely impressive one. And um, you know, again, looking at you know, only one year going back to 27, and you haven't been the minor premiers. Yeah, I'll throw another one at you, mate, that I, I, I didn't get to celebrate with the boys because I was overseas. Um, but th- this one means a hell of a lot to me coming towards the end of things. And, and our, our home ground, we haven't been beaten for five years. We haven't lost a game uh, at that ground for five years. And, and that's something that I, that I, I truly, really cherish, mate. That, that's sort of a, become a fortress to us. Um, and, and to not lose a game there the past five years is something that will stick with me for a long, long time. Mate, I haven't been down this year, but if that surface is as good as it has been, it, um, it's a pretty magnificent place to play. Uh, what, the, what the guys do down there with your, with your uh, deck is uh, phenomenal you know, for the level of football that you're playing in as well. So a shout-out to them. I normally give, give them a bit of a plug each year, but I haven't been down this year, so I can't comment too much, mate. Probably more uh, your area of expertise right now. Mate, H- Hobes gets down there every morning. He's, he's hardly at work. He works from his boat house. He gets down there and cuts it and waters it, and I don't know what he puts over it, but it works wonders. I thought he was out on his boat most of the time, mate. Jesus, no wonder he doesn't get much work done. Uh, but, mate, in all seriousness, uh, this is going to be an absolute belter. Two sides that are really primed for it. As you said, it's kind of um, you guys are in the peak of your era. They're coming up into their era and could quite well be the dominant force for the next five or six years. So it's going to be an absolute belter. 
It's going to be a huge crowd up there. Raymond Terrace will play the game before you, so there'll be a huge local crowd up there that'll really fill the joint. So everyone should get in early. Uh, mate, uh, I do apologise because Sean Johnson and I got together for later in the show to predict all the winners, and we've both tipped Dora Creek, so that's a heavy crown to wear heading into the game. <laughs> if we go back, let's go back five years ago again, mate. I remember the... I remember it well on your on your podcast when we played Belmont that that game we beat them forty four four. You tipped Belmont, so I was sort of hoping you would have gone Waratah this time. To be honest, yeah. Well, uh, I think I think I tipped you guys last year though, so I think I think we're you know one and one at this stage. Uh, obviously, twenty twenty for reasons obvious to anyone that knows. I didn't tip anyone, um, and uh, yeah. Well, here we go. This could be the this could be the decider of my ledger with with you guys, and um, decide decide uh, whether Hobes ever speaks to me again. <laughs> All, right, all, all the best for the weekend, mate. It is going to be an absolute belter. 3.30 at Lakeside Oval. Get up there. Fill the joint out. It's going to be huge. I'm sure there'll be plenty of well-lubricated people getting right amongst it. The atmosphere will be great. The game itself will be great. I've said it's going to go deep into the game. and It's going to be decided very late one way or the other. I've tipped you. The pressure's on, mate. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm going to throw it out now. Uh, I've, I've got um, half of my house on Scott Fitzpatrick anytime try scorer. Uh, <laughs> mate, they, 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 they didn't even get one last week. So I've, I've got to get one this week, surely. Yeah, excellent, mate. I like it. Again, big thanks as always. Appreciate you coming on the show and the best of luck to you, Hobes and the boys for Saturday. Yeah, thanks, mate. Just quickly, congratulations on an outstanding career with the refereeing and stuff, mate, and uh, enjoy retirement. Thank you, mate. I intend to. (laughs) Cheers, mate. All right, as we dig into the Newcastle and Hunter Community Rugby League, thanks to Lake Macquarie Forklift Services, we continue on with our A-grade grand final preview. Uh, we will dig in a bit more to a neutral perspective shortly with Sean Johnson, but in the meantime, big thanks to Scott Fitzpatrick. And now we head to the other side of the big clash and we head to the Waratah Mayfield Cheetahs and we get to catch up with a man who is of many talents. He's a regular here on League Castle. He was my offside, a right-hand man in commentary for the Under-19s grand final on the weekend. He is none other and the dulcet tones of Timmy Christie. TC, welcome back. Thanks, mate. You've got to get to be sick of me right now. These people have got to be... They've been hearing me too much, I think. Well, mate, they've been hearing me for five years and they still tune in. So, mate, um, <laughs> they're going all right. Before we get into the grand final, mate, there is something I want to touch on with you. The Two Point Podcast has been a little quiet, but I'm hearing a whisper that might be coming back in the off-season. Yeah, mate, obviously with the, with the birth of the daughter and stuff over the last year or so, I've been pretty flat out. But, um, yeah, it's been a been a thing on the back of my mind for a little bit now that I want to get back into it. I've um, spoken to a mate, we're going to set up a set up his shed and I'll have a proper place to get it to do it out of instead of the front room at mine. So uh, hopefully in the next few weeks, once the, the grand final and footy season's over, I'll, um, I'll get people back on the mic. It's going to be a busy couple of weeks for you, mate. You've got that and then the grand final this week, obviously, and uh, either celebrations or commiserations, and then it'll be followed by uh, the knockout, which will be just around the corner as well, mate. And so I'm sure you're pumped up for that. I know we were talking about it on air the other day with Newcastle All Blacks as well. Yeah, that's right, mate. Yeah, October long weekend, so that's always a big one, and you know the body body feels sore after that. But hopefully, get things in place before that, and then once um, once the knockout's over and done with, I can yeah get some people on and you know spend some summer talking about footy instead of playing it. No, it sounds like a plan. Any guests that you can that you can name drop on here, mate? Uh, I'm sure, uh, I mean, we were talking about uh, whose son's probably going to take your spot in a couple of years. It'd be an excellent yarn. Uh, it might go for a few hours though. Yeah, yeah, that's, oh, I do have a few. Like as a, I've, as I said, I haven't done it, done it for a, a year or so. So the people I touched base with before, um, before that were hopefully they're still keen. But I'll, um, I'll have to, <laughs> have to ask them again. I think the statute of limitation runs out after after a year, doesn't it? 
Yeah, something like that, mate. We'll wait and see we'll, with bated breath. But in the meantime, there is a big game, 3.30 on Saturday to focus on. Up against Dora Creek, mate, you've taken them on three times this year. The first one, you guys got the chocolates at Waratah Oval. The last two, they've taken the bragging rights, mate. But not a lot between the two sides. But one thing that, uh, and, you know, I'm giving away a bit of the secret behind podcasting here as I do sometimes. Sean and I have already caught up and talked about this. Both sides are stacked across the park with talent. Yeah, we are, mate, when we're full strength. We're, we're still a bit uh, unsure what our, what our starting side or our side will be for the weekend with a few of the boys going down with niggles and stuff during the week and over the weekend. But, um, you know, we'll have a better understanding of our side come Thursday night. But as you said, the Dora Creek side is stacked, mate. They, you know, with all the, all the stuff that's gone on this year, they, um, yeah, without, without all that, they're still, they're still a very good side. A lot of first grade experience, you know, and, Obviously, the likes of Penny Terrapo and stuff as well played in our role. Like, there's no, it's no wonder they're in the in the grand final this weekend. Yeah, certainly, mate. Um, yeah, as you touch on, plenty of, of first grade experience. When you look through that side, you have got you know uh, Bursaro, you've got uh, Andy Sumner, Chris Marlborough. Obviously, it's been a few years since Marlborough has played first grade, but definitely some first grade experience. Isaac Briggs, who played first grade earlier this year, as did you. Um, you know, and there's a few others there as well that have either been you know at that level or, or certainly, you know, like you look at guys like Boston Smith and, and Scott Fitzpatrick, it's been a while since they've been at the top levels, but they've certainly got the ability to as well. And then equally on your side, you know, the guys like Matt and Aaron Simon, Jacko Myers has knocked on the door. Um, you know, you've got some guys too. When I look down the ben- your bench, mate, names like Bamback, Fanua, Wilson, Clay, Edwards. It's a, Both sides run quite deep as well, which is probably a reason that you, you've come as far as you have. Yeah, that's right, mate. And, and we, we, we know that as well. We, when we put our best side on the park, we can match it with anyone. But um, I think most people know we're going in the underdog this weekend, and you know that's Waratah's personality. So we'll kind of take that in our stride. But um, yeah, come Saturday, a bit, bit later kickoff, obviously three thirty, which um, means we get back to the club a little bit later too, which is, isn't good. But we'll um, yeah, once we know a bit more about our side Thursday, we'll we'll um, yeah, I'm sure we'll be confident. Yeah, certainly, mate. And we caught up with um, Penn, Phil Byron, earlier in the year, you know, and, and had a bit of a chat out at training about, you know, the, the, the local build of the club, the passion that he's got behind it. I have a feeling that there'll be some um, some some pretty pretty solid speeches in the lead-up uh, from, from uh, Penn in terms of Thursday and probably on game day as well. Well, that's right, mate. Like, Penn, Penn breeds Waratah. Um, I think there was, there's going to be potentially nine juniors playing in the in the A grade side this weekend, so you know we, we pride ourselves on that. And as we had with the um the NBN thing at the start of the year, we brought a lot of juniors coming back to the club, and um yeah, and that's that's Waratah. Like we we um we strive on on knowing each other really well and being really good mates off the field. So um, hopefully that helps on the weekend. Yeah, certainly, mate. In terms of looking back through the history of the club, you have to go all the way back in what I'll call a top grade decider, which obviously the A grade is the equivalent of for your competition that you're in. Back to 2000 since Waratah were in a top grade decider. That was the Newcastle Rugby League when they were last there. Um, also grand final appearances in 2014 and 17 in C grade 2020, which you were a part of in the B grade competition as well. And I think maybe 2015, a loss to Malibula. So a side that knows grand finals, but uh, mate, in terms of getting back to that top tier, there's a few of the guys from that uh, 2020 side that won the B grade, but it would be a fair piece of silverware to add to the cabinet if you could be successful on Saturday. Oh, it would be, mate. We, we know that. We understand that. And as you said, we seem to go up and down at Waratah at the moment. We'd come into a comp and win it and then be gone the next year. And 
as um as I've spoken out all year, that's that's not what we're here for. We um we want to stick around for a long time. Now we will, we've got the people in place um in the committee side of things to make sure that we're not going anywhere. And you know whatever happens this weekend, um we'll still be around next year. Hopefully with the two sides ready to go again. Yeah, certainly, mate. It's been uh, you know it's been a pretty storied history in terms of the club and. Looking back, you've, you've made a habit of in, a, in a couple of those years, not the B grade, but in a couple of those other years of knocking over minor premiers. So uh, there's a good uh, pattern of behaviour there for the club. Yeah, I didn't know that. So you know, hopefully the cutting keeps going on. But as I said, mate, Dora Creek are a good side. They'll, um, they'll come out and you know, they blew us off the park in that prelim. So I'm sure they'll be confident to do that again and we just have to put our best foot forward. In terms of mate too, and, and we've touched on this before, uh, there's some some good uh, friendships across the park. Chris Marlborough is probably one of the ones that leads that. Uh, has, is there any any lead up talk, or is it very quiet and radio silence between the boys that know Marbles and, and and you know the likes? Um, yeah, from mine, we haven't we haven't spoke to him. We um, yeah, we do know him obviously. Like, and as everyone knows each other in, in Newcastle, it's a small world, Newcastle Rugby League. But um, nah, we'll we'll wait till after the game and we'll. We'll um, have a chat and a beer with them after, I'm sure. But, yeah, before the game, isn't it? Enemies before the game and best mates after. So, we'll, um, yeah, I think we'll be keeping radio silence till after the game. Yeah, completely understood, mate. It's a, a big ask, as you say. They were the minor premiers in 2017. They've been in the last three grand finals that have been held. Been held. They've won two of those. So, certainly been one of the pace setters of the competition for the last few years. And uh, they, as you say, have the target firmly on their back as the defending premiers. And all the best of luck. I know that uh, there'll be lots of cheetah passion out there representing the Waratah Mayfield community. Uh, you are essentially, as we touched on earlier in the year with, with Penn, uh, the, the Premier Club now representing that region after uh, the, the area previously having two top-tier rugby union and one top-tier rugby league side. So um, I'm sure there's a lot of, lot of um, pride and also responsibility that comes with representing the area in a grand final. Yeah, it does, mate. Um, I mean, Waratah used to be such a good uh, sporting area. Like me growing up, my old boy was a was a rugby player and I used to get down there and obviously the league and the cricket go well as well but it is, it is a good feeling being back a part of the area when there's such a it is such a good vibe down there at the moment all the boys getting around we have you know a lot of boys that train who aren't necessarily playing just coming down to help out so um, it is a good feeling and hopefully get everyone up there on the weekend to support us and uh, win, lose or draw we'll be back at the Mex Club after it's having a beer so everyone's welcome back there as well uh, I love it, mate. The Mex Club, I know, have been a big part of what you've done this year in terms of getting everyone back on the paddock and building that culture there at Waratah. So all the best. It'll be an absolute cracker. 3.30 at Raymond Terrace, Lakeside Field, number one. Get in early. Parking will be at a premium. There is some overflow parking and other things going on, but get up there. It's going to be a huge day of footy. Lots of cracking games, and this will be the pinnacle of not only the season, but of the grand final day. Get up there, support your chosen team, whether it is Dora Creek or Waratah, and I'm sure you'll have a lot of neutrals on the Waratah bandwagon this week, mate, including probably a few sore heads from South that um, are bouncing back after a rough weekend for your former club over the last uh, couple of days. Yeah, well, as we said, mate, a few photos have gotten around today of the Mad Monday. There was some there was some beaten, beaten men in those photos, so if they can pull themselves together, I'm sure they'll be on, on our um, on our side come coming up against Dora. Oh, well, mate, all the best. Good luck on Saturday. Look forward to seeing who comes out on top. It's two absolutely prime football teams ready for a big clash. Again, as always, thanks to you for coming on, mate, and the best of luck for Saturday. Thanks, mate. Well, it is time to dig into the Newcastle and Hunter Community Rugby League Grand Finals, and we're going to be doing this across two parts, just like we did the season preview 
way back at the start of the year and we're going full circle with both of these thanks to Lake Macquarie Forklift Services. So to pull apart the high grades in both the men's and the women's, we are joined by none other than Sean Johnson. Rabs, welcome back to Lee Castle, mate. You're almost part of the furniture these days. Just about, just about. I'm sitting in the corner like an old brown couch. Yeah, mate, uh, just just waiting to be used, and it's um, you know peak time of the season, so we get the comfy couch out and bring you back on to uh, pull apart the big games, mate. So uh, you've been up and about the finals a little bit the last few weeks. How's the atmosphere, crowd numbers? How's it all been building? It's looking, it's looking good. It's looking good. I had a um, a very good weekend over at uh, Waratah in in uh, the first round of matches. Caught the program there, and. Um, I, um, I missed um, week two of finals at uh, Raymond Terrace, but I was there for uh, last weekend and caught a couple of games and uh, enjoyed a steak sandwich, as I am wont to do, and um, it's been good. Mate, uh, I'm sure you're warming up, ready to go into this Saturday's games. Again, all games up at Lakeside from 9am on Saturday. Uh, mate, uh, the, the blue cans and the steak sandwiches, they're firing out and coming out thick and fast. They're going to be busy up there on Saturday with some big crowds expected in across the day from sort of 9 to 5. It's going to be a long day for the uh, the staff and uh, the, the punters up there. Yeah, it'll be flat out. It'll be flat out. So I reckon the um, the way to go would be to get in there early and stake your position on the hill. Um, and they, they're doing some overflow parking over at the soccer grounds at the terrace as well, I believe. So... Um, if you get there a little bit later and you can't find a park at Lakeside, go across and they're running shuttle buses for you. That'd be the way to do it. They certainly are. The other one, uh, the other pointer is I'm told all grand finals will be streamed on Bar TV. I'm not sure if there'll be a delay or not. I haven't had that confirmed yet, but they'll be streamed. And commentators, at least on the games on Field 1, I understand they're trying to work to organise some um, some of the usual suspects that uh, might be involved in that for Field uh, one and two if they can but yeah definitely feel one in terms of commentary so that's great to see um, that opportunity for those that can't get out to the ground but we'd encourage you there's nothing better than being there Excellent yeah you know, it's, it's good to have it filmed particularly if you want to review your performance afterwards um, but the um, yeah the, the atmosphere live will be great particularly when, it, when we get to the bigger games in the middle of the afternoon Certainly will well let's kick it off mate you're here to pull apart the A and B grade in the men's and ladies we'll be joined by the illustrious Adam Martin a little bit later on to pull apart some of the others that he's a bit more familiar with. Let's start with the B-grade <laughs> Ladies League tag and uh, we'll have a run through in terms of the finals. It was Raymond Terrace and Hamilton playing in the elimination game in week one and the, the Ducks knocked out the Magpies in week one. The uh, qualifying final was Clarence Town. They beat Cessnock 26-12 to go through to the major where they were pipped by Morpeth. Morpeth booked their spot in the grand final. Cessnock knocked out the Ducks in another close one. But then last weekend in the prelim, Clarence Town and Cessnock fighting out to take on Morpeth. And the Cobras girls, they put on a clinic 36 to nil. They defeated the Cessnock girls. So it'll be Clarence Town taking on Morpeth. Morpeth, the defending C-grade premiers, so they could go back-to-back with C and B-grade titles, which would be a, uh, a fairly impressive effort, mate. Yeah, I saw a bit of uh, Claro knockover um a knockover Cessnock on Saturday, and it was um, it was fairly emphatic. Um, I believe they had a much closer game the um, the prior weekend, um, but um, but they Cessnock had no answers for them on Saturday. No, certainly not. And uh, lo- looking at the, uh, the the point scorers, Holly Fisher Webster for Clarence had just missed out on the top point scorers award. Mm. It was actually Isabella Garvey with twenty seven tries, nearly ten clear of the next that was the leading try scorer that took that out. But Morpeth, they've got lots of attacking threats around the park and uh, they've been a dominant side the last two years for a reason. 
Yeah, they, they have, well, they've gone they've gone from uh, C grade premiers last year, if I'm correct. Yep. Um, they seem to share their points around. They play a really disciplined game. They don't concede a great deal of points, um, and uh, they've only been knocked off twice during the year by Swansea and by Clarence Town. So, um, you know, Clarence Town uh, might be able to do it, but I'm leaning towards Morpeth in this one. Yeah, well, the last two times they met, they did meet early in the season. It was 22-8. to eight. Morpeth beat them. Clarence Town, though, as you say, round 12, knocked them off 10-8. And then two weeks ago in that major semifinal, it was 14-12. So the fact that those last two mm. matches have been such tight ones, Clarence Town might fancy themselves here, I think, just based on the fact of, uh, I guess, where they're sitting in the form of coming off that big win against Cessnock. Um, they're on, on a pretty good run. Uh, in terms of where where they've come through outside of that little tight loss yeah. to uh, to Morpeth two weeks ago, so look, it'll be an absolute cracker. This one's at nine forty five on field two. It will be the second game of the day after the C grade ladies league tag on that field. But mate, I'm going to hold you to it. I, I need I need a scoreline from you or at least a margin. What are we thinking? You've tipped Morpeth. I'm going to. I think it's going to be tight again. I think um, I think Clarence Town will be pretty aggressive um, and really come for Morpeth. But I think Morpeth will be defensively pretty strong and I'm going for another tight scoreline 14-10 to Morpeth 14-10 to Morpeth alright um, looking at the ladder as you say Morpeth only 88 points let in so I, I again think it's going to be low scoring but I think goal kicking is going to be the difference I think it's going to be two tries apiece and Clarence Town mm. are going to take it out 10-8 so I'm going to go with, with, yeah. with the Cobras they've only lost three this year a couple of draws hurt where they finished the season but yeah it's going to be an absolute cracker as one of the early games and Look, there's a lot of these games that shape up really well as we as we pull apart a few more of them. So the best of luck to both sides. This one will be an, an absolute belter early in the day. Bit, bit gusty over on the field too as well. More exposed to the wind. Uh, could make it a very hard day for the goal kickers on that paddock full stop. Certainly might. We'll keep an eye on that one, mate. But now we'll turn to the next one and let's have a look at the men's B-grade competition. The home side, they've uh, got the benefit thanks to the fact that they do host Raymond Terrace. They have, well... They've claimed an undefeated season. They did have two points stripped off them for a game against West Wall's End earlier in the year, but they haven't suffered an on-the-field loss. They've suffered an administrative loss. Even with that, though, they ran out minor premiers by six points with a for and against of plus 235. They come up against an Abermain side that midway through the season, even in a six-team comp, they weren't a, a, a shorter final spot. They've finished like an absolute uh, with an absolute wet sail, mate, uh, in terms of how they've come home, Abermain, and knocked off West Wall's End last week who were probably midway through the season, one of the premiership favourites with Raymond Terrace. Yeah, well, yeah, Westy finished second. And I watched um, I watched Westy versus um, Abermain at Waratah the other week. And um, that game was obviously um, severely um, uh, disrupted by a badly broken leg to one of the other main players. But Abermain went through them like a train. And I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't think... I was surprised by that. You know, Westy's got such a such a strong forward back, um, plenty of quality players right throughout their side, and and um, Abermain just looked slick right through. And then, obviously, um, when they last met with Raymond Terrace, that was thirty twenty eight a couple of weeks ago um, at at Lakeside. Um, so that says to me anything could happen in B grade on Saturday afternoon. Um, it's an, it's and. Uh, it's an interesting one when you go and look back through their matchups. They played early in the year, and and Raymond Terrace they did an absolute number on them, forty to sixteen up at Howe Park. Uh, they mm. then played again a few weeks later. It was eight six, and then as you say, uh, only only sort of two weeks ago again in that uh, in the semi finals, thirty to twenty eight. Raymond Terrace pipped them. Uh, so it's 
it's an interesting one in terms of how it sits. They're the, they're the closest anyone's really got to them uh, this year, looking outside of that, looking at the Raymond Terrace scorelines. Northern Lakes got to within two of them down at Northern Lakes once. Outside of that, most of the margins, you know, 20s, 30s, 50s, there's been some big wins. They've, you know, another one by forfeit. But these guys have, have gotten close to them. And as I said, they're, they're coming with a wet sail. It's going to take a brave man, though, to, to back against an undefeated side. But it wouldn't be the first time we've seen a team go all the way to the grand final without dropping it, only to get that one blemish on the record being the major premiership. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And I really like that momentum that Abermain are coming in with. Um, they, they just, as, it was, as it, I've seen them, seen them play in two of their three finals and they've looked good. Um, and uh, I haven't seen as much of Raymond Terrace. They've got a great side. There's lots of, uh, lots of pedigree in that team. It's hard to tip against the Terrace, but I think, um, I think that 145 kickoff on uh, Saturday afternoon, that might be the closest grand final of the day. Yeah, it's certainly going to be a tight one. It'll be interesting to see. They will undoubtedly both have some huge fan numbers behind them. Uh, Abermain have a good travelling pack. And, you know, after some of the things they went through with the, the damage of their venue a couple of years ago and things like that, it's mm. great to see them buck up and about. We know the power of the Raymond Terrace Club. Yeah, I, I again agree. 145 on field one. This will be the, the second last, the penultimate game on field one. And it's going to be an absolute cracker. I just think home ground advantage. I think there's going to be plenty of points in this. The edges of Raymond Terrace up against the strength of the middle of Abermain. Two very physical, very talented sides. The two number seven steering them around in Handsaker and Miller will both be very good as well. I'm going to mm. go the Terrace to win this one. I'm going to go even closer than their last two games. I'm saying this is going to Golden Point and Raymond Terrace are winning by a field goal. We're going to spear, spear a field goal between the sticks. Yeah, there you go. You've got to, you've got to put a number on that. Uh, in terms of who kicks it, I'm going to say Kyle Hanford. He's got the experience in the big games. Uh, was part of that A-grade side at uh, Thornton Beresfield that won previously. He's been part of a Woodbury side that's gone a long way in recent years as well. Uh, people are starting to think Kyle's got a lot of clubs to his belt. But anyway, I'll leave that for other people to say, not me. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a, he might come after me otherwise, big Kyle. But uh, yeah, he's got a fair boot on him. And look, they've got him and Handsaker. They've got a couple of others as well that can kick it. Uh, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to say we're going to see it 33-32 in extra time. 33, 32, that's very specific. And, uh, and yeah, okay, and Hanford to kick the field goal. I like it. I like it. What, what about you, mate? What, what, what's the margin and, and who's getting up? I'll go, I reckon they'll both have tightened their defence up. Um, I'm going to go for a slightly lower score. I'm tipping the same direction, though. I think uh, that'll be 20 to 18, Roman Terrace. Again, it sounds like it's going to be an absolute belter. Another really good game, a part of a, a huge game. And I think almost all the grades that will go through, you can make a case for either side, and that'll definitely be the case in the next one, although I know which side you're going to be making a case for, mate, as we head to the ladies' league tag A-grade now. This one will be at 9am. It is the first game on field one, and these two sides, there's some rivalry between them, Central Newcastle and University White. Uh, Central Newcastle came through winning an extra time over University White 16-14 two weeks ago. Uh, University Mm. having had the week off the week before, so Central beat Katara, then went through your University White, though, a bit like uh, Clarence Town before, they put on an absolute show last week, running in a half century, nine tries, seven conversions against Fingal Bay. It was just a bit of a golfing class in terms of it. Your girls really turned it on and uh, grabbed some momentum to head into the grand final. Yeah, all credit to Fingal. They're like they're a really they're a really tight defensive side. A bunch of girls have been together as a core group for a lot of years um, and defend aggressively and tried their guts out, but. Um, I think uh, White went in with a pretty ruthless mentality after going down to Central the week prior. Um, they um, weren't going to be minor premiers and miss the grand final. So uh, they um, showed their stripes, broke them down, scored the points. Um, 
and uh, we're on to the final the final week now. Um, and uh, against the you know against uh, last year's grand final opponents, and it's a it's a healthy rivalry. Um, you know, a lot of the girls play rep touch with it together or rep on tag and know each other from around the tracks traps. There's um, there's no uh, there's no bullshit in it, but uh, it is a it is a tight um, tight rivalry going through the year. Um, there's not many points between the two teams, um, and uh, I don't expect it to be anything less than thrilling and uh, high possibility going through the golden point on this one as well. Yeah, there hasn't been a lot that separated these guys across the years. Uh, again, as you say, uh, big rivals that uh, came together last year as well. Um, even though I think from memory they might have finished second and third on the regular season ladder last year, and Maitland went exactly out in straight right. sets. That's right, yeah. And we did touch on that before. Your girls, one of only two sides that were minor premiers that didn't book their way directly through. We'll talk about Stockton a little later on with Adam Martin. But every minor premier in the grand final this year, which is which is good to see. It's all top three sides that have come through. Mm. Uh, but I'm guessing that you'll be tipping a similar result. You said it might go to extra time, but a similar result. The uh, the university girls to go uh, back-to-back here, mate? Yeah, the, the, the longest margin between us is the final round, which um, went... Uh, Went to uni fourteen six, I believe, um, and um, I I don't think it'll be I don't think it'll be as loose as that. I don't think there's going to be two tries between them. It'll be a try, or maybe a penalty goal. Um, and um, yeah, I think it's a very strong possibility we'll be locked up at full time. Yeah, I don't I don't think there'll be a lot in it. Discipline will be crucial in this one, as your girls know from the. Uh from the major semi-final. Interestingly enough, and I, and I can only go back a certain way in records, but I'm also sort of going from memory. Your girls, it's, it's a bit of a string now in terms of consecutive grand finals they've been involved in in the A-grade tag. Every A-grade grand final. <clears throat> Haven't missed one. Yeah, right. So, um, so that goes back yeah, to the days yeah. of even your minor winning, I think, in the first year, yeah, possibly? Yeah, yeah. We were, we were one of the initial six teams in the competition. Uh, your minor uh, took it in 2016 and... Um, that we uh, had that dominant era from the great Aberglassland sides from uh, through to 2020, um, and then no premiership, uh, no no finals, obviously in 2021, and took to last year before we finally uh, finally cracked it for a win in the big game. But um, now we're here. I think um, the core group of girls that have been together for a long, long time are pretty keen to um, keep ha- keep their hands on that trophy. Um, so uh, uh, I expect it to be really hard fought um, and uh, the, oil, uh, the fur will be flying about 9am on uh, Saturday morning on field one. Yeah, it certainly will. It'll be interesting to see, as you touched on there, uh, having gone through five losses, uh, the reset year of COVID uh, seems to have worked a treat and I'm sure they'd like to make it two from seven and uh, again, congratulations, this is the first time we've seen Central in the decider so that they become only... Uh, sorry, the second time we've seen them in the decider after last year, but they they are one of only four clubs in the whole history of this ladies' league tag A grade that we've seen in these uh, grand finals, mate. Which is a, a pretty elite class. It, it is actually, and I hadn't really thought of that. But they're like they're really well coached. Um, Central do their women's program really well because obviously they're they're well represented in women's tackle as well, um, and um, you know um, prepare a really good team. Um, in in both their women's tackle and their league tag, um, great club. Um, um, looking forward to seeing them lose on Saturday. Night. Undoubtedly, died in maroon and white on Saturday, yeah. mate. Uh, all the best for it. I'm I'm going to go. Jeez, I, I don't want to don't want to upset you. I also don't want to upset Jolly Scleaner, who uh, is him and Mouse Croker, two absolute greats that coach the uh, ladies' league tag at Central, mate. Uh, I've got yeah. friends on both sides, so. Uh, 
I'm just going to say that it can't be separated. I don't know how long it's got to go in Golden Point before we get to, before we get to joint premiers, but I'm going to call it. We're going to have our first joint premiers. Everyone wins. It could be. Could be. Everyone will be happy. Everyone wins. 14 all at the end of it all. Um, and, yeah, we'll wait and see. Uh, and it could be the illustrious, uh, I believe he refereed the prelim on the weekend, the illustrious Graham Stair. He's been everywhere in terms of refereeing. And uh, I think this will be his first ever Ladies League Tag Grand Final if they uh, deemed he did a good enough job last week. Holy dooly. Well, there you go. Well, I know him well. Um, I'll uh, look forward to constructively criticising his performance on Saturday. I look forward to hearing about it, mate. So that is the Ladies League Tag A grade. We will wrap up with you, mate, and we'll head into the big game. 3.30pm. It is going to be absolutely full to the rafters. These two sides, there is no love lost. It is a rivalry that is not very old at all, but it is really built into some um, genuine dislike um, and bordering on at times malice between these two clubs, not necessarily on the field, but that neither, neither side's going to leave anything in the pantry. They'll be throwing everything, including a few kitchen sinks at each other out there on the field at 3.30. Dora Creek and Waratah. I don't think you're going to be wanting for any physicality. Um, it's, uh, it, I, I know, uh, I know uh, Dora had the upper hand in the, um, in the major semi, um, but uh, I think there'll be some bruised bodies at full time. Um, and uh, I think Waratah have got a bit more in them um, than what they showed in the major semi as well. Um, so I think uh, I think um, Dora are definitely the favourites, but uh, they're going to have to fight for it. Yeah, well, a bit like your girls, mate. They've been quite a um, quite a strong team in recent years across the A grade competition. Mm. You know, they've been there or thereabouts the last few years. They've been involved in, if my memory serves me correctly, something like the last three. Uh, grand finals potentially uh, no two grand so no it would be three grand finals uh, 2019 mm. 2020 and 2022 uh, having okay. won, won comfortably 44 to 4 in 2019 hopefully we see a bit more of a tight contest than that they lost in 2020 uh, to Thornton Beresfield they took it out last year so they, they will be looking to make it three from four which is a pretty phenomenal record um, I think they're the minor premiers mm. back in 2017 as well so it's been a strong run over the last six or so years for them as you say, they will be the favourites. They've got a, a fairly strong side, as do Waratah, though. And Waratah did a real number on South, which surprised a few last weekend. Yeah, yeah, they, they didn't um, didn't give um, South any room to breathe at all. Um, you know, nailed them. Um, and uh, I, I think South were feeling pretty confident going into that game. And, um, yeah, Waratah really, really stuck it to them. So, um, nailing them's probably... You know, a pretty good sign of intent, and uh, they will have to be defensively good against Dora. You know, they've got a um, very smart bloke in the middle steering him around at number nine, um, and uh, they won't miss any opportunities. Waratah will have to be at their absolute best, I think. Yeah, that's certainly right. There's been uh, a number of games where they've been able to get out there this year, and they've had a bit of an up and down run in terms of that Dora Creek, where they've put sort of 50s and 60s, and I think even a 70 earlier in the year against Windale. So, um, mm. They've got some real talent out there, as you touched on. Chris Marlborough, plenty of experience. Boston Smith as well in the seven. Andy Sumner in the six. Their yep. spine is where a lot of their strength comes from. But you know, you can never write out. You know, when you've got guys like Penny Terrapay who are coming off the bench and sink things like this. But again, Waratah, a stack side as well. The Simon brothers, Tim Christie. Uh, I don't want to build him up too much because we're going to talk to him a little bit later on, but uh, he'll build himself <laughs> up undoubtedly. Uh, then you've got the experience, Luke Hoppy in the halves as well, and you know, uh, then. Travelo. 
Yeah, Travlo mm. as well. And then the big Tolly was carting it up in the middle. Again, as you say, you won't mm. be lacking for physicality. Jerome Wilson coming off the bench, who's played some first grade league and union as well. Uh, Billy mm. Clay's won a few premierships with Hamilton in rugby union. So you can make a case for either side. Um, I'm going to be in trouble with someone, no matter who I tip here, a bit like the last game, mate. I just think, looking at the games, the fact that Dora Creek has won the last two, I think they're going to just outlast Waratah possibly here. Uh, I'll happily have egg on my face, TC and co, if I am wrong, but I'm going to think that this one might finish up somewhere in the realms of, I think the second game they play where there was sort of eight points in it will be a bit closer, but I'm going to say this one's going to finish up the exact same score that Dora Creek lost by a couple of years ago, but they're going to win by 22-18. Dora Creek to take this one out, and it will be an absolutely tight finish. I wouldn't be surprised if that last try scored in the last two or three minutes to win it. Um, or if it's Dora Creek seeing off Waratah with raiding their line in the last couple of minutes to hang on. Either way, I think this is going to be an absolute cracker, and anyone that is at the ground should be hanging around until the, the 5.25, 30 mark, because, again, like these other games we talked about, there's, there's always the possibility with these two sides too that they go deep into the extra time as well. Oh, really, there really is. Yeah, there's a good chance there. I um, live within uh, a long punt of Waratah Oval, so um, heart says Waratah, but head says Dora Creek, and... I um I want to see a close game, um, and I think that's very dependent on how Waratah defend. Um, a very classy Dora attack. Um, I think it's going to be more like a thirty to eighteen to Dora. Well, you've heard it here. Two of us tipping Dora Creek, so that almost almost puts the premiership in in Waratah's hands. I think, mate. No, I hope so. <laughs> dear, dear. And the one, one man I did miss there that I should have touched on is uh, is Matt Jeffrey, who alongside uh, Penny Terrapau is part of that fearsome four-pack for them. Uh, the battle of the two front rows and hookers will be worth entry alone before you spread it further to some of those other players and, you know, Jackson Myers and Scott Fitzpatrick, two of the gun centres as well. Um, and two, two of the, the really switched-on coaches too when it comes to the Newcastle and Hunter, mate. There's plenty of them that get around, but... Um, Phil Byron and Dave Hobe and both of them have done um, some impressive things. Uh, Hobe's obviously at Dora Creek for quite a time. Phil's been at a couple of different clubs and both know the game inside and out. Both absolutely bleed the clubs that they're back at now. Um, mm. And yeah, you'll, you won't find two more passionate guys about their club as we've seen in, in some social media and media outlets from Dave. But this one will be an absolute belter and uh, yeah, I... Um, yeah, it's it's. I'm disappointed. I'm not going to be able to be there because of work commitments. Because I think that they, uh, that the fans will be swinging from the rafters. Both sides have got their, um, uh, I guess, they're faithful. But I think both sides will actually have some people that will be there specifically cheering against them that aren't necessarily tied to the other team. And there could be a little bit of that. There could be a little bit of that. And that, um, that, that hide extra security. That'll be that'll be okay. It certainly will, and I would suggest too by about four thirty, there'll be a lot of people heavily fueled by blue cans, and one of those might be Sean Johnson. Could be, could be. Let's, let's not make any wild predictions. Uh, exactly. Well, all the best, mate. Best of luck to your girls' side. I know you'll be out there cheering fervently at 9am, and uh, if anyone's wondering who the rowdy bloke is yelling abuse at Graham Stair, it's probably Sean Johnson, uh, but I'm sure it's just constructive criticism and it's not really abuse. Because, Sean, mate, I know there's nothing you love outside of your university club more than the uh, crew in yellow shirts. I, I, do, I do love them. I do love them. They, they, know, they know I mean well. You do, mate. You're, you're a much-loved man amongst the referees and amongst much of the league, and that's why we get you on here. A big thank you to you again, as always. And, uh, mate, a big shout-out as well. A man who listens to this show every week, and I know he's a good mate of yours, Dave Everly. Um, I think he'd rather be associated with you than the other connection he's got to rugby league, but we'll, we'll, we'll leave that for him to decide. <laughs> Me and Dave Everly go back a very, very long way. <laughs> two, two, two of the absolute great blokes around Newcastle Rugby League and Newcastle and Hunter, mate. But, again, thank you, as always, to you. appreciate you giving up your time. 
time in the lead up to grand final. And uh, yeah, again, good luck to the University She Horses as they head into their seventh straight grand final. Thank you, Chris. My pleasure. Well, it's time to dig into our second part of our Analyst Grand Final previews and it's time to look at the remaining grades. Thanks to Lake Macquarie Forklift Services. And we're going to start it all off with the Southern Conference Grand Final. I'm joined by Adam Martin as I was in the preseason to have a look at these games. Adam, welcome back, mate. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how close we got at the start of the year, actually, now thinking about it, but great to be back to preview this Grand Final. Yeah, it would be interesting to go back and have a look. I certainly didn't tip Stockton to be in this grand final, mate, and that's where we're going to start. 10-15 on field one. It is Hinton up against Stockton. Stockton, one of two minor premiers who had to go the hard way to get through to the grand final, but we have a full suite of minor premiers across all of the grades. Let's take a quick look back through the finals. The first week of the finals, uh, we had uh, Hinton taking on uh, Morpeth, where they got a 12-6 win. East Maitland, your former club, mate, they knocked out the Rats and Dogs by 10, 34-24. The next week, Morpeth returned the favour, knocked out East Maitland by 10 points, while Hinton pipped the minor premiers in Stockton, who'd only lost one game during the season. Morpeth also won loss during the regular season, though they went down to Stockton in the prelim final, which that now sees, as I said... Hinton with the week off, Stockton coming in with the job to do, mate. Uh, how do you see this one shaping up? Hinton have been uh, in some good form and obviously finished the season with a bit of a flurry. Yeah, as you said, I was kind of surprising given that Stockton only dropped that one game to Morpeth earlier in the year, but I think no one kind of saw Hinton knocking them off in that you know, game to get in the grand final qualifier, but the fact they did obviously gives Hinton that massive advantage of that week off. Um, as for Stockton, like you said, we, we kind of didn't know what to expect from at the start of the year, but obviously been in great form, had some big wins over the time, and it's a bit of a hard one. I was kind of hoping for a battle of the bridges, to be honest. No disrespect to Stockton, but this would have been a bit of excitement out there around the terrace, but look, you've got to back the minor premiers in this one. Um, I, I know Hinton had a couple of injuries earlier, later in the year there, so I wasn't kind of expecting to get as far as they did, but obviously a bit of experience in that team with some pretty good players, but I'm going to say Stockton in a very close one. Um, I think I'll probably by one point. Can I back either team by one point? Is that available? Is that an option? No, nah, mate. No, you got to you got to pick a winner. You got to pick one of them by one point or by whatever margin you see fit. So, mate, who, who's, who's your uh, your field goal kicking money on? I guess um, you know. Are we looking at uh, you know maybe a Mitch Kelly or are we thinking maybe a, a Geordie Phillips or a Nick Hall for uh, Stockton? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna look back and see who can get field goal in round ten. That was Nicholas Hall. So. Um, obviously 5-8 there, so let's back him in to get the field goal done again. I like it, mate. Yeah, they did get over uh, Morpeth by the field goal uh, in round 10. Interestingly enough, uh, these two sides, just having a look back through, they played in round 1. 28-26, Stockton got over the line in a close one. They missed round 8 because that was the postponed round or cancelled round. And then the uh, semi major semi-final, 20-18. So very little separating these sides. So I think a field goal is probably... A, uh, a good choice, mate. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say Hinton, the week's rest with the experienced players is going to be a little too much. I think Geordie Phillips is going to be an absolute handful for them. But Hinton just seemed to have really tightened the defensive screws in recent weeks. So I'm going to go Hinton to win this one. I think they'll win it by two to four points, but not a lot in it. I think it'll be probably reasonably low scoring, maybe similar to the week before, uh, sorry, two weeks ago. I'm going to go maybe 18-14 to Hinton in this one. But uh, yeah, again, I think it'll be an absolute cracker. I think the day shapes up really well, but that's going to be uh, where I'm leaning here. 
Let's uh, let's keep on wrapping through these because we've got a few to get to, and let's head to the Northern Conference game now in the men's, and we have a Clarence Town team. They've lost two games during the year. Uh, they've gone through on the easier route. They knocked off Karua in the uh, major semi after finishing as minor premiers. Uh, Tea Gardens, they went down in that first week of the semis to Karua before turning things around, a big win over Gloucester in week two, and then pipping uh, Karua in golden point extra time on the weekend, 26-24, a penalty, and geez, you'd hate to be a coach, a penalty for multiple players in the tackle and stripping the ball, mate, in extra time, golden point in kicking range. Yeah, it's a killer, isn't it? <laughs> not, not what you want, the stresses of coaches. Certainly not. Uh, three penalty goals kicked by T-Gardens in that game. Five tries to four. Karua, one of two sides to lose in extra time, yet despite scoring more tries on the weekend. And we'll get to the other in a moment. This one, you'd have to think a Clarence Town side. I talk about him a lot when I talk Northern Conference. But the experience and skill set that belongs to Blake Birch is a huge leg up. T-Gardens, if they weren't without Chad Redmond, geez, that would be a mouthwatering clash, the two levels of experience there. 100%. I went through school with Blake um, and to those kids that you always have predicted anything and obviously he played a fair bit of first grade at Maitland and he's 34 now but he's still running around obviously running that team around perfectly so as you said the experience of Blake could stand up on the day um, they got another bloke I played a lot of footy when I was younger with Marco Delacrino they you know, played for Maitland country rep teams as well so another guy who spent a bit of time out in the game but obviously spent a bit of time at Queensland Cup as well and one of those guys I wouldn't be on a plane on grand final day that's for sure no, certainly not. And then not to forget the sharp boot that is Harry Reid as well, mate, which uh, adds another level to them. Uh, Aiden Bill's also pretty handy on the other side. So two decent kickers and two decent try scorers there as well. So I think Aiden Bill's ended up leading try scorer by about five in the end. Uh, so uh, plenty of points in both sides. Uh, we've seen them play a few times this year. And uh, again, Clarence Town seeming to have the wood throughout most of the season. Um, and also scoring plenty of points has to probably fill them with confidence. I'd say, I think, 32-22, 34-22 in their two clashes earlier this year. So they've got them by a couple of tries each time. Yeah, for sure. I said, obviously, confidence taking in. They obviously finished minor premiers and had that bit of that easy run there. So I'm going to I'm gonna predict this one. I'll, I'll be a bit of a blowout, to be honest. Um, I've seen Clarence down, obviously, the ability to put some scores on over, over the season. So I... I'm going to say Clarence down. I'm just going to go the old 13-5, keep it safe. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, this Northern Conference uh, always has the knack of throwing up a bit of an upset in terms of teams winning it. Again, Tea Gardens have been in some pretty strong form across the back of the season outside of that loss um, to Clarence Town in, in sort of the back seven or eight weeks. I think they've just got the loss to Clarence Town on one to Karua, but they've put plenty of points on a few sides. Again, I'm just, I don't know why... I, Everything, everything in my head tells me that Clarence Town should win it, but I have just a sneaking suspicion that Tea Gardens are going to spring the ambush of the day in this 12 o'clock game on field one. I'm going to go to Tea Gardens to win this one 24-20. So I think it'll be a late try um, and you know none other than probably Aiden Bills if, you, if you're going to pick a, pick a man to do it. So, um, yeah, I think this, this is my upset. I've uh, gone with plenty of favourites today, so... I'm going to go with Tea Gardens to win that one. It'd be a great story as well. I know they've um, been through some challenging times in terms of the last couple of years, so great to see. But it'll be an absolute cracker at 12 o'clock. Just before that, on field two, it will be Thornton Beresfield, a team that you know quite well, taking on Walls End Maryland. Walls End Maryland, the undefeated minor premiers. We're talking ladies league tag C grade. These two teams, I think it would be fair to say, aren't exactly best of friends. Yeah, look... I went and caught the game uh, earlier in the year at Somerset Park there. Obviously got a, a few friends that play for Walls End and 
just uh, know a few people involved with Thornton, but it was it was a brutal game of league tag. Um, it was very fiery. Probably like probably shouldn't have been as fiery as it was what it was, but there was certainly no love lost left on the field in that game. That uh, Warthamer and come away with eight four, and they played each other later in the year at um, Grange Oval there at Maryland, and I was actually pretty disappointed. I was, I was on a plane to England at that time or Ireland at that time, so I missed that one. But obviously, ended a six all draw and. Because obviously these teams played each other uh, earlier in the year during the grand final qualifier and Walls and Maryland 4-0 in what was another very close, tight game. Yeah, I've never really described a ladies' league tag game this way before, but that game was physical. Um, again, they're, bu- they're both very effective defensive units. Uh, attacking options, they limit for both for the opposition. And that's you know no more perfectly epitomised than the fact that, as you say, 4-0, 6-all, uh, and then I think eight six so eight four so we're talking a total of six tries in three games between these two sides. There's plenty of games of ladies league tag in any footy that you're going to see more than six tries from the winning side. They're laying across three games between two sides. So I would be very surprised if this one was a blowout. I have a sneaking suspicion there's not going to be a lot in it. Um, I'm going to be really unpopular with some people depending on which way I go here, mate. I'm going to let you be in the hot seat first. It's two wins and a draw, five points from three games to Wall's End. Can Thornton turn it around? Mm, it's a hard one. Thornton obviously got to jump on him in that round one game and Maryland come back. Look, I think Maryland has got a few more dangers across the field. Um, there's no you know, doubt that when it comes to Wall's End, Maryland, they kind of know who they've got to stop from Thornton. Um, and I say that in the most respect possible, but... Well, then they've got a lot of experience, a lot of odd tag experience. It's obviously translated across the league tags. So I think they're going to be more dangerous. But you're going to like my prediction. With obviously six tries across three games and some very tough defence, and you know not a lot of ability, obviously breaks the line. And both fullbacks are very capable of obviously stopping that last line defence. I'm actually going to go. It's going to be a scoreless game. Uh, I'm going to go for Wolves in Maryland to win this game two nil. There you go. Two nil. There you go. So you have like a penalty. That. It'd be interesting to know the field goal, the field goal um, progeny out there. Um, I, I've already, I've already tipped in the earlier segment, made a uh, a, a joint premiership. So anything's possible. Um, a joint? <laughs> Hang on, how can it be joint? Well, at some point they've got to stop playing golden point. Like there's just got to be some point. There's got to, there, there must be a rule. They can't play all day. It's just, just. I thought it was 120 minutes in men's. I don't know what it is in ladies' league tag, but well, I'm assuming in ladies' league tag it'd probably be about 80 minutes, maybe 90. So yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe they need to go to the touch footy rules drop off, mate. Um, we'll wait and see. I again think that there's going to be very little in this. My biggest concern is that there's many more points in Walls in Maryland than there is in Thornton. Unfortunately for Thornton, they've only managed to cross the stripe against them twice in those three games. That concerns me. It was a real challenge for them to really threaten in from a t- an attacking sense um, the two weeks ago. Uh, hopefully, Coach Jake White has found something that um, a few little set plays that might work for them, a few different looks. They're going to need to find something, as you say. But again, it's just going to come down to defence. I had a similar sort of thought in terms of what I thought this was going to end, and I'd actually tip this to finish six four and goal kicking to be the difference. Mm. And just just because I don't want Jake White being angry with me, I've, I've tipped Thornton to, to uh, just upset the apple cart and goal kicking to be the difference. One try apiece. Uh, I think Thornton will score early. I think Walls and Maryland will pepper their line late and they'll hold them off. You can't be angry at both of this. Look, I'll, I'll say this as a former, obviously a former league tag coach, obviously did stuff with it and that as well. I gave, had a little conversation with Jake after that last game on some, some set ideas and stuff. Um, just about things I've seen. I'll say whichever team can use their 
centres and wingers a bit more and spread the ball a little bit quicker, we'll probably win this game. Um, that's the biggest advice I'd give because I know some weaknesses on both teams with wingers being a little bit too far in. So comes down to obviously some set plays there. And like you said, they've, well, they've played each other three times now, so they should know it each other pretty well and where to expose each other. They certainly will. The one thing I do know is there will be no love lost between the two sides. 11 o'clock field two at Lakeside. Again, a huge day of league tag and league action across the day. This one will be well worth getting down there for. Uh, looking forward to hearing how this one all plays out. I know you'll probably be a keen observer of this, mate. And uh, again, yeah, whichever side uh, does take it out, it's been a thrilling season. Uh, I know in some years gone by, there's been some sort of aspersions thrown at the lower grades of ladies league tag but there is some really quality even if it's primarily from a defensive point quality league tag being played in this competition yeah for sure that's a, a bit of experience there with girls and have obviously played you know, back in the old Newcastle comp as well when it was under the Newcastle comp and obviously the highest grade there and some rep players as well so it really makes a difference and puts some quality to both those teams Certainly does. Let's move across to the C grade men's north. Two more grades to pull apart with you, mate. Uh, and the Kersley Crushers, the injury curse got hold of them last week. This one finished a four-team final series. Uh, Maitland United were the first to bomb out in the elimination semi against Dungog, 38-16. Kersley couldn't cross the stripe against an impressive single side, 32-0. And then Kersley and Dungog, like a number of games last week, went to extra time. Dungog clawed their way back to get to extra time and then scored a try in extra time to win it 28-24. That spells the end to a, uh, a pretty impressive season for Kersley. The top three sides throughout the year were all neck and neck in this competition. And, you know, in, in an alternate universe, you'd love to have seen all three of them feature in a, the grand final. They could have all been deserved participants. But Dungog do what Dungog have done for many years and make their way to the big dance, mate. And they'll take on Fingal Bay. Fingal Bay... At 12.30 on field two, we'll head in as reasonably warm favourites after that uh, job they did on Kersley in the major semi. But you can't ride off Dungog with the likes of Matty Hinton up front for them. One of the ones I'm actually pretty proud of. I, I know it's just a certain, I certainly predicted um, single bay at the start of the year to go pretty well. So I'm pretty happy with that one. Um, and as I said, they, they've got a, looking at some of the names, they've got quite a few players on the played in that dominant A-grade team they had. Well, what do you mean? What about five years ago? Maybe six years ago now. So a few of the older heads have come back and obviously had a run around. And you now finishing the year with what nine wins out of thirteen games played. Obviously, it was a bit of a hard season there in that C grade comp. With um, obviously, you know, what happened with Adam Glasson dropping out and obviously Curry struggling for numbers throughout the year as well. But they finished with a what four of two hundred and ninety. I think conceded eighty one points. So defensively, you know, they're going to be up to it and. Ugh, I just suspected Dungog. I, I don't really know as much about Dungog, but I think Pingle Bay will get the job done there on Saturday. Yeah, you talk about their defensive prowess. Uh, if my maths are right, from something like 13 games, including forfeits, six shutouts, and that includes their last three matches, 32-0 over Kersley in the major semi, 38-0 over Maitland United a couple of weeks before that, and 16-0 over Kersley leading in. The game before that, however, was a 30-4 loss to Dungog. So um, certainly... a a season built on defence. Uh, they beat Dungog earlier in the year, 32-12. So it's one apiece. This one will square the ledger one way or the other. But as you say, to have only let in 81 points is something phenomenal across uh, what will what is uh, essentially 12 games realistically uh, with the bye. That's, you know, le- less than seven points a game. So we're talking about one try a game. It's absolutely phenomenal. And also when you have a look at the try scoring and... There's two things I want to take out of this. Stephen Whitehead, 18 tries, the top try scorer, by 10 tries clear. But the man in second is a prop, Matty Hinton, with eight tries. Um, that is 
that's huge, mate, from a man in the middle to finish second on the leading try scorers. And something you love to see, isn't it? Big men getting over the line, obviously in the middle there. So, but look, it's hard to say. Like you said, obviously Dungon's got that jump on him, but maybe Finger with a pretty confident year might have been having a little bit of a lay down as well, knowing there's a chance they'll play Dungog later in the year. But for Dungog to turn up and be in this game, um, I think defensively, obviously they need to back as well and need to be a low scoring game because we know Finger's got plenty of points in him. Yeah, it's an, interesting, it's an interesting one when you look at those numbers to think that um, Dungog did put, of those 80-odd points, they put 30 on him in that game. So um, quite, a, quite a phenomenal effort. And I'm actually just going back through and looking at it. Some of the other points that have been put on, <coughs> excuse me, put on Fingal this year was 15 points by Curry, which is technically actually a forfeit. So 15 of those points aren't actually against Dungog. So um, a phenomenal effort this season. Uh, sorry, against Fingal. A phenomenal effort by them. As you say, I think Dungog, the key, having seen them earlier in the year as well, um, having refereed them, they need to start this game well and discipline will be the key at this level. Um, if they can get out to a sort of early lead, that's their best chance. If Fingal get them into the arm wrestle and get a try on them and you know head to the break at 6-0 or something like that, I think it's going to be a long way back for Dungog. It's a very mobile Fingal pack, the likes of Bowell up front. Uh, Fing- uh, Dungog, however, a more physical side. So it'll be interesting to see where the matchups are at. It's hard to go past Fingal in this one. I think that they'll probably win it. I think, as you said, it'll probably be low scoring. I wouldn't be surprised to see this one finish something like 14-8, 12-4, something in that sort of range to Fingal. I'm going to say 18-4 to Fingal. There we go. Well, we both tipped Fingal, so uh, Dungog will be about a dollar one heading into this game now. I like that. That's uh, well done. Now, the final one we're going to have a look at, mate, so we're going to talk the C-grade men's south, and this final series has been an interesting one. There was some controversy leading into the finals. Budgie Wee forfeiting the last game against Hamilton. Uh, on their old boys day, which didn't go down too well. That saw Budgie Wheat fall to fourth on the ladder by two points on four and against. Shortland then sprang probably the upset of the season in the competition, knocked them out 24-16. Hamilton, meanwhile, who finished third thanks to the forfeit, jumped up and knocked over a second-place Cardiff side who'd been uh, definitely one of the sides to beat this year, only dropping two games throughout the season. That sent Cardiff into an elimination game against Shortland. Cardiff won that one 24-10. Hamilton got towed up by a very strong Lakes United side, 42-6, to which saw Lakes United go through to the grand final. And then Cardiff, they got their revenge in extra time, 32-30 again, a penalty goal this time to Daniel Jennison, uh, who's been the heart and soul of that Cardiff side for a number of years. And it is a Lakes versus Cardiff grand final. Two of my former clubs coming together, and uh, I'm a little bit torn here. Mate, what are your thoughts in terms of how this one shapes up? Only two points separated them on the ladder during the regular season. Uh, not a lot between them. Lakes have probably had some more points in them. Uh, but, yeah, Cardiff have been right there with them throughout the year. So I'm happy they're playing for the Chris McPherson Cup, first of all. Um, you know, and is that what we're going to call it? That, that, I'm assuming that cup will be misshapen and horribly out of form. <laughs> you said that. I didn't. Look, obviously, um, like I said, it's probably going to be the game of the day. Um, this one is probably one of the most look forward to. Besides, obviously, the A-grade game of it. I said they finished obviously two points. It's interesting that earlier in the year they played each other with a forfeit the first time they played each other. So Cardiff obviously got that win yeah, when they played each other. That, that's an interesting one. I think that one was up there with the Raymond Terrace one where they got obviously points were taken off them because if you have a look at the scoring, uh, Lakes won it on the scoreboard, but obviously some points were taken off them for something that occurred. So. Uh, yeah, right. that, that is an interesting one, as you say. Uh, the next time they played, I think Cardiff were severely undermanned at Carl Oval. Um, again, yeah, the challenge of yeah, yeah, the challenge of playing at Carl Oval quite often is that uh, if it's before grade, it can be like a ten thirty kickoff on a Saturday or something, which is really hard for teams that have got workers, etc. 
But yeah, again, 42 to 6, they, they knocked over um, Hamilton. The interesting thing for Lakes, though, is if you go back, they've, they've only played the one game since the 29th of July. So they've had a forfeit, a bye, a week off, a win, a week off. So they've had one game in the last six weeks. Does that come back to bite Lakes? Do you think it's hard? Lots of experience in their team, but a few young guys as well that that might rattle. I was about to say the same thing. I was about to say, you know, that obviously qualifying final game, the grand final, having a 42 to 6 win isn't ideal in a qualifying final because it wasn't, wouldn't have been tough enough for them. Obviously, didn't see the game. Just assuming, obviously, a pretty dominant game. As Cardiff, as you said, they've had to come in a tough way. They've had to play every week. Uh, obviously, had a tough game last week. And momentum's a very funny thing in football. Um, and getting to a grand final on the back of some pretty gutsy wins can obviously have a massive advantage for you. It's hard to say. Um, I don't want to come out and say that Lakes look tired because we've seen how that can bite some people. But <laughs> what yeah. I what I will what I will say is that Lakes have only played one game in six weeks. They won't be tired like another team that was made about. But look, the experience of Lakes um, obviously got some. You know, we know Case Stone there as well. They've got some very big experience. I think they'll be very hard to beat, and I think they'll be up for this game. And like you said, well rested. So I think it'll be close. Uh, I don't think it'll be a blow by the last time, but. Actually, I don't. I think it'll be close to half-time, and I think Lakes will run away with it. We're going to make a double prediction. I'm going to be pretty bold. I'm going to say at half-time will be 10 all, and Lakes will finish the game 32-10. to 10. There you go. I'm getting bolder as we get on the grade. You've gone, you've gone right on out there. Well, it's an interesting one. There's lots of experience on both sides. Again, I think discipline will be really key here. Both these sides, when they get into their run and can, can get on top in discipline, can run away with games. Uh, both the sides, however, are prone with a couple of the players in there to some shorter fuses, um, and that can come in to challenge them. I agree that I think this is going to be quite tight until I'm probably going to go a bit deeper in the game, maybe the 60th minute, and then I think that's where it might turn to some of the young guns that have come up from Swansea to Lakes this year. Uh, some of those outside backs, if we have a look at their team, and we, you know, we're talking some of these guys uh, that sit in the outside backs with a bit of pace and a bit of athleticism, and I'm definitely not talking about Cade Snowden when we talk about those two things, um, in terms of the, that are really going to make a difference. But again, it'll be about how, how Cardiff handle the rotation. When you've got former first grader Ben Sams and Cade Snowden, who we know, Admittedly, Cade's not, you know, Cade's, I think, now 37 this year. He's not what he once was, but he's still got, I was going to say he's got a lot between the ears, but that could be taken the wrong way. But anyway, uh, he's got a lot of experience in terms of big football games, and that's going to count quite a lot. Ben Sams, as I said, he's played first grade for Lakes as well. They've got a few others that have got some experience about them that have played in the A grade and high comps. But then on the other side, as I said, you know, you have a look, there's a few of the guys like Al Middleton, uh, Daniel Jennison, these sorts of guys as well for Cardiff. So it's going to be about who can harness and leverage their discipline and the most experienced players the best. I think it'll be maybe 16, 18 all, 60 minutes gone. And then I just think that Lakes are going to get on top and I think they'll probably score a couple of late tries and maybe flatter themselves a little bit with the scoreline. It might finish maybe, uh, let's, let's say 30 to 16 uh, to Lakes um, and we'll see a very happy Aaron Morris after he avenges the demons of his A-grade grand final coaching loss a couple of years ago when he was coaching Belmont South or playing and playing at Belmont South uh, when they went down to Dora Creek. So that's the one I'm going to tip. Uh, it's Yeah, it could go either way, though, as I say, with plenty of experience on both sides. Yeah, for sure, like you said. Case okay, so is definitely not someone I'd like to be lined up against on grand final day with that experience, that ability to turn it on when he wants to still. Um, but I, I want to give a shout-out obviously talking about these games. Obviously... One of the biggest things I like to see in this lower hunter comp is teams to obviously, we won't call promotion, but work their way through the grades. And 
Actually, both Hamilton and Budgie Boy come up from obviously um, it was a South Conference last year in a C grade and were very competitive in both played final football. It's obviously massive, you know, for the growth of both those clubs, especially Hamilton being such a young club. So, um, look, obviously Lakes have been a very dominant team in that grade, but things like that are obviously wonderful to see. Yeah, there's a few sides that have managed to do that. Dungog, they won the Northern Conference last year, decided to step up into C grade and make the C grade grand final this year. Um, we've seen a few of the others that have done it. Obviously, Waratah have come back in, in the A grade. Uh, more for the defending Ladies League take C grade. They've gone into Ladies League take B grade. So it is, it is really good to say, see, as you say, these sides stepping up and uh, really making those next steps and, and going deep into the, you know, they both finished in the top four, those two teams you just touched on, um, which is you know, really good to see these teams building, going to the next level and uh, stepping up. Fingal Bay, they uh, fell one game short of the A-grade Ladies League tag as well after coming up from B-grade last year. So great to see. And, and we really, you know, it's the one thing that you want to see is you want to see these teams making that progression. We saw Aberglassen did it for a number of years before uh, their sort of men's side sort of disappeared for a little bit, but they're back now. And hopefully we'll see them doing that and, and a few more of these sides in the lower grades that will slowly over the next few years make their way up through the grades and... Um, you know, become some new emerging clubs in the in the high grades as well. Yeah, for sure. I said we want to see obviously we want to see, you know, many teams rise and look one of the things obviously being from Maitland is that obviously the lack of Maitland teams in that A grade comp. So it'd be good to see one of those teams step up and obviously get into that top division. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting. Um Maybe, uh, I know they're not really a Maitland team, but maybe Abermain, the surprise packet's getting through to the B-grade grand final. Maybe they could be one of those sides as they build towards uh, the next stages. Um, you know, in terms of it, they can finally stop Jimmy Abbott from having one game a year at uh, the ripe old age of 50-something, a bit like Chapo up at Stroud. He's finally given it away. Or say they tell me, we'll believe it when <laughs> he'll, we see it. He'll, he'll never give it away, he'll Mate, the, the, wor- the worst thing for the for blokes like us, mate, is he's he's still in better, you know, like maybe maybe not shape wise, but he gets around better than the, either of us. So, uh, yeah, I reckon his body feels better than mine, does, that's for sure. Which is which is ridiculous considering he played hooker most of his career. So anyway, uh, he's an absolute machine and one of the great blokes, Simon Chapel, floating around the competition. I'm sure he'll have a uh, heavy influence on Stroud being back next year. On that note, mate, a big thank you to you. Enjoy Grand Final Day. We encourage everyone to get up there nice and early. There will be a absolute race for parking, so get in early. Watch the early games. Games on both fields from 9am, Ladies League tag, C grade and A grade, all the way through to the 3.30 kickoff on the main field, Waratah versus Dora Creek. It is going to be huge. And, of course, if you can't get to the ground, I encourage you as vigorously as I can to get there because the experience and atmosphere is going to be absolutely phenomenal. I think this year is going to be one of the best years that we've seen up there at Raymond Terrace. But you will be able to tune in on Bar TV. Again, we're still waiting on clarification as to whether they'll be live or delayed as they've been in previous years. But you'll be able to watch back that way, and it's great to see that the league have embraced Bar TV again, mate. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, still trying to have talks. I don't know if there's going to be commentary and stuff on that, but it, there is. I'll put my hand up if it's live. So obviously, do some of the day, and it's be a great experience to be around it, and probably uh, keep me away from the boys from East Maitland there on their silly Saturday. Yeah, I was going to say probably keeps you away from the from the beers for a little bit longer, mate, which is uh, probably good good for all involved. Uh, it means you're not going to be abusing any, any Nathan Everleys or the like if they're out there refereeing. So we will wait I and see that. Oh, well, you, yeah, you still will be, mate. He, he might be your co-commentator, you, the two twins up in the commentary <laughs> box. But on that note, mate, again, a big thank you as always. Appreciate you jumping on, mate. I know you take the time to really have a look at these games and get some thoughts together for them before we get on. And, uh, mate, again, you add to this uh, coverage that we can do with these. Some of these lower grades are a bit harder for people to get around to. So thank you again. Enjoy your day up there, mate. And uh, then put your feet up and enjoy a well-earned off-season that I know you'll be playing a number of social sports in before you try and figure out some way to involve yourself again next year in what is the greatest game of all. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm in a few minds, obviously, the off-season, but 
part of me wants to go one more, but doesn't know if the body can. I've obviously got a couple of coaching offers, but look, I'm, I'm still tempted to bring that pick that whistle up for one time. So we'll see how we go in the off season. See how we go, mate. One last thing, and we did. T- I did touch on it just before with um, one of the boys um, chatting about what's coming up in the season. I know you're heavily involved in this with your ties to Averglassen, the 9th of October. The Brody, the Brody Pearson Memorial Nights. Seventh October. Seventh. Sorry. Seventh. Seventh of October. Sorry. Yep, it is correct. Yep. I keep saying the yeah, ninth. Yeah. I don't know why, but anyway, we'll we'll go with the seventh. Seventh of October. Yeah, I'm obviously putting in a couple of things. Um, doing a bit of commentary with Bar TV and stuff, and a few other things on the day. So, putting a, as you know, my ability to stack teams is usually pretty good. Um, I'm a very good player manager. It makes you a better player and a better coach. But putting a pretty strong men's team with a Let's say a fair bit of first grade experience from the Newcastle comp, and I put in a very strong women's team as well. Um, with the, most of the girls that are playing, Tersha Kale, Harvey Norman, a couple of Aberglassen girls in there too. So, should be a good day out there at Maitland Sports Ground. Um, I think that's obviously still looking for a couple of teams as well. So, if any of the teams out there are a bit thirsty, a bit hungry to play a bit more football after the comp finishes, then obviously chuck in a team, have a bit of fun playing nines. And I, I'm just a little bit devastated. I was actually planning on having a run around myself, but. Given the fact because of injuries I didn't play this year, I'm unable to play. Makes it hard. And even even if teams want to, or if guys want to get teams together, so long as, as you say, registered players, they can organise teams that are separate to clubs, etc., um, and, and enter those sides, as I understand it. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. it's got to be obviously registered with New South Wales comp, but put a team together of mates and blokes you always want to play with and just have a crack. And science football is great to play. It certainly is, mate. Uh, any any appearances of white headgear in that side that you've recruited? No, he's going away. He has publicly told us on League Castle that he tries not to be associated with you in public. So, yeah, I, I got the I got the better centre from Maitland anyway, playing for us. So, um, which is always good to see. So, there you go, mate. Um, there you go. We we'll wait and see who else you can start, get into that team, mate. Uh, I'm surprised you're not going to have yourself on. Oh, you'll have yourself listed as coach on the team sheet, undoubtedly, so that if they win, that you can claim the glory. Hundred percent. Yep, coach, manager. Uh, everything really uh, both more, fi- more fingers in p- more fingers than there are pies out there but he's, he's got a finger in every pie he's involved in everything he loves the game almost he's almost up there with me for involvement I love it mate and uh, mate your black book's bigger than mine I think in terms of uh, who you can get get out and about with so we love it we love you coming on mate and um, yeah all the best uh, for enjoying your finals day and all the best for your sides looking forward to seeing you up there at um, Maitland Sports Ground for the uh, Brady Pearson Memorial Nines on the 7th of October Lovely. See you on the 7th of October. Well, that just about brings us to a close for season 2023 and the show. A huge thanks again to all of our guests throughout the year. The recurring ones to the one-off ones, you've all been uh, a really great asset for us and we really appreciate everyone giving up all of their time throughout season 2023 and the seasons that preceded it. Good luck to all teams in this weekend's Newcastle and Hunter Community Rugby League Grand Finals. Get down there on Saturday. If you can, get your tickets for Sunday and get down and support the Knights as well. It's going to be an absolutely uh, wild ride. Uh, I'm hoping, obviously, that they don't get up this weekend. We go the Raiders, but uh, plenty of people in town and the uh, town spirit will be lifted should they win that one. So another great chance to get behind some footy. Uh, of course, as always, thank you to our sponsors, Sharp DS, Central Coast, Lake Macquarie Forklift Services and Shipley Meats at Rutherford. Uh, they are the backbone of what we do and make it all possible, so we thank them. 
And as always, uh, thank you to Josh, who has been a huge part of this journey over recent years uh, in terms of all his work as a statsman, all his work with our social media channels as well. Uh, he's been an absolute gem and does it all just out of the goodness of his heart. So we thank him. We're going to take a bit of an off-season break. There'll be a few things that will drop in between around a few events, but it won't be the weekly pod moving forward. Uh, we will enjoy our off-season, as we hope you do as well. Uh, be safe, enjoy your off-season, and we look forward to coming back to you with League Castle in 2024. We go to King. King will barge over. Will he get it down? Yes, he does. There's the Premiership. Wilson. Runs to the line, he's got Buxton with him, it's been put on the toe. It's gonna to be to try. Joy Jobson's got the try. Window get their second. You're listening to Lead Castle, Newcastle Hunters home rugby league.